Welcome to the Interest in Health and Safety podcast, making health and safety as important as everything else we do in business. Hi there, it's Colin here, and welcome to the Interesting Health and Safety podcast. Today I'm joined by Carl Simmons. Carl is Chief Health, Safety and Wellbeing Officer at Thames Water. Um, he's got a big job um, because he's providing water to the capital and the home counties. Um, he's got a big workforce. He's got a big supply chain. Um, and um, he's been voted uh, the most influential figure in health and safety in the Safety and Health Practitioner Awards in 2019. Something that he's uh, he's very proud of. But um, something that he's, his team yeah, is the reason that he was successful. And, uh, and he talks about that uh, in detail. Um, let's get into it and we'll have a chat at the end. Last year, you were you were um, uh, you were sort of nominated and won the award for, for for safety and health practitioner most influential from a health and safety perspective. And and a lot of the work that you've done is based around around mental well being, mental health. And I know it's been a, a big passionate thing that you're uh, you've, you're looking to continually to push forward. And I just really wanted to just explore that a little bit with you and just um, you know sort of get your views on why why it's so important to you and what you feel the businesses need to do to raise the uh, to raise the profile of this really important topic. Uh, yeah, I was I was really humbled, if I'm honest, to to receive the award, um, and it, it's come, uh, I guess, after I, I don't think it was for the last year. I think over recent years, um, I've really enjoyed being able to shape not just internally within Thames Water um, our approach, health, safety, and well-being. But the ability then to be able to share what we've done with other organizations. So to, to turn that tangible, there's a lot of academics on the circuit uh, saying what you can do and what you should do. But very few practitioners saying, here's what we've done mm-hmm. and here's the outcomes we've achieved. So within Thames, for example, we, yes, we're a large organization, 15 million customers, they put our product in their mouth every day. So we have a massive responsibility to the members of the public within the UK. Um, and our 15-odd thousand strong workforce, you know, um, we've seen a reduction in the last five years, a staggering reduction where we are now to where I joined, which is over 80% reduction in incidents, injuries, and illness from work-induced activities. And I think that's really credible and reflects the energy and effort that the people working across the organization has put in mm-hmm. towards that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, receiving the award, like I said, very humbling, but really that award is for my team. Mm-hmm. And they are the ones who shape, guide, and come up with the ideas and work hard across the company towards instilling and embedding a culture of care. Mm-hmm. You see, I never underestimate the impact that psychologically um, your psychological health has on your, not just your physical health and, and, and well-being, but also the ability to concentrate well at work and how that prevents injuries and, and inj- illness occurring. Because, you know, we are human beings. We have slips and collapses in concentration. We make errors in judgment. We are unfortunately designed to fail on occasion. Yep. And I, I think, you know, the ability to create a culture of care, openness, good engagement, uh, clear communications, but also, I mean, the ability to challenge unsafe acts and conditions without fear of 
reprisal. You know, there's two reasons why people don't challenge. Firstly, they don't feel empowered. You know, they see something wrong and think, well, is it my responsibility to, to raise that? Mm-hmm. And secondly, more only fear of reprisal. If yep. they make a challenge, what's the person the other side going to say? Mm-hmm. And years ago in the company, when I joined six, seven years ago, people were fighting on sites because somebody had challenged somebody over PPE. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, it was archaic. And, you know, being able to break those barriers down and say, do you know what? It's okay. And sharing my own experiences, it's okay when somebody challenges and, and makes a safety observation or a health observation and says, you know what? I don't think you should be doing that. The, the, the ability after that to actually turn around and say, oh, thanks very much for letting me know and adjust your practices is, or have a conversation, yeah, mm-hmm. is so important. You know, behavior is external. We can see it. It is affected by our attitude, which is our culture. It's internal. We can't see it. Mm-hmm. Um, therefore, your attitude is affected by your own sort of uh, um, your own thoughts and makeup. And a lot of this is around your leadership traits as an individual. But they are underpinned by the health and safety management system and what expectations expect across our employees and the contractors that work for and on our behalf. Mm-hmm. So there's a, lot, a whole host that has gone in over recent years towards us achieving those outcomes, which I'm really proud of on behalf of the company. Um, and I guess receiving that award is really uh, for the team. Yeah, no. So, hey, you've got to take one for the team sometimes. So well done. <laughs> well done for that. Um, uh, you know, so you've obviously had to spend, um, you know, had to spend time influencing the people at the top end of the business then to get that, uh, you know, to get that approach running right the way down through the business. And the people at the top have got to want, uh, have an open and trustworthy environment. Is, is that sort of where you've spent, uh, spent you know, your time to begin with to, to get that, that change? Yeah, um, leadership from the top is arguably absolutely critical within an organization. And I mean the very top. It starts at the chairman and the main board directors, which a lot of, uh, in a big company like Thames, are non-executive directors. But not every organization has, you know, a board and a chairman and non-executive a lot of them will be SMEs with a family-run business or small enterprise. It, I, I, I would argue that, um, I mean, I've worked across the spectrum of different size and scale of organizations, both domestic and internationally, but you've always got to get the most uh, senior people within the organization to understand the importance of why taking health and safety seriously is so important within the company and how that message can set the tone across the organization is hugely important. And I work regularly with my non-executive directors and the main board along with my executive team. Um, We have a very open and transparent relationship. I learn an awful lot from the directors around the table and sharing their own experiences and capture that and actually translate that then into the effect it has within our management system. So again, then what we are sending out, the clarity around communications across the company, reflects the messaging and tone that the leadership want to send. And it's always with the, it's always back to that culture of care. How do we set, in, set the tone and put in place the right practices, and they rely on me to get the word in right, that in, enables our people to remain safe and well at work. And it's interesting, you know, tangible examples. So do you remember years ago when we had the beast from the east? Yep. The big flurry of snow that came down. Mm-hmm. You know, now 
um, a lot of companies uh, at that time said, right, don't travel, you can work from home. But several years prior to that, every year, whenever it snowed, we sent a message into the company saying, don't go to work if you don't have to. Mm-hmm. And those, those are the moments where, you know, uh, you see an organization that is not afraid to put the safety and well-being of its people first. Mm-hmm. If at any point within Thames, any of our people feel they're in a position where it's not going to be safe to do something, we want them to stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you go beyond that personal empowerment to organizational empowerment then where you say, now we don't want you to come to work because it'll put you at more risk. Mm-hmm. So those are the amazing and refreshing moments in my career where you know, I'm able to echo the sentiments and thoughts of the executive team around really driving protective nature and culture across the organization. And that's, I mean, that's really great to hear that because, you know, a lot of, a lot of businesses have got this, um, have got these approaches or, you know, if you, if you feel, if you feel it's not right, then stop. But then often then weaponize that. And if, if somebody doesn't make that call, oh, well, you should have stopped. Whereas what you're saying is you've actually gone, gone a stage beyond or before that and actually said, look, as a management team, we are going to decide whether it's safe to start. And, uh, you know, and for me, that's, uh, that's, that's a great position to be in, you know, making those, mm-hmm. the management team making those decisions. You know, that's, that's great. That's really cool. Um, what about, I mean, you know, we, we uh, you know, I really appreciate you, 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 you're talking about that. Um, what about from a, from a mental health and a mental well-being side then? What, what, what sort of things do you do as a business to, you know, to, to help and support the people in your business, you know, with, with those kind of issues? So psychological health should be treated no different than physical health should be treated no different from prevention. Prevention of illness is no different from prevention of injuries. I struggle when I see organizations that don't take this seriously, and many are trying more and more. I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of uh, executives and boards from major organizations over what we've been doing. Um, and, and treating it in the same way is really important. Um, you know, when I look at uh, within my company, so you think, right, if an injury occurs, there is an executive review, there is learning, and there is uh, to prevent a recurrence. Yeah, so it's taken really seriously yeah? in many organizations. Well, if somebody's off work as a result of illness derived from work, regardless what the cause is, if somebody takes a day off absent as a result of work-induced illness, there should still be an investigation. There should still be an executive review. There should still be learning because otherwise an organization isn't fulfilling its responsibilities and its duty of care to ensure that they make reasonable adjustments. So when that person does return to work, they're not faced with the same environment as they would prior to the incident occurring, the illness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you wouldn't, there's no way you would um, have a lost time injury within a company and then suddenly not do anything to change and somebody comes back into the working environment and it can happen again. You wouldn't do it. So if we, whether, you know, within an organization, you've got, um, uh, you know, people under enormous stress or strain, yeah, because of budgets, pressure, time, ups and downs of juggling modern day workplace life balance with work balance, all these things that occur, um, then you need to take the uh, prevention of illness seriously. Um, and the first step towards that is knowing and asking the question, when somebody goes off absent, was it work or non-work related? 
And if it was related, then by goodness, you have a responsibility to, to, to take it seriously, to have the right investigation, to have the right learning. And the problem is a lot of employers get worried about, oh, well, it's health, it's confidential. Wrong. You know, the reality is, if somebody's gone off as a result of absence and is work-induced, you have to make the changes. You have to understand what's going on. You know, um, I have an amazing occupational health team. They're involved, everybody going off as a, a off-work absent. Um, and from a clinical perspective, you know, you don't need to know the ins and outs of what somebody's individual clinical issues are. What you need to know is what's caused them going off unwell. What has driven it? And then you can make the adjustments and feedback to the individual to say, hey, here's what we've done as a result of uh, you letting us know what was going wrong. Yeah, mm-hmm. And that underpinning, if that's the outcome post somebody actually uh, going off unwell, then the inputs around leadership, around engagement, everything we do um, for uh Prevention of injury, we should do for prevention of illness. Your management system should reflect the steps you're taking around your risk assessments and your controls for both physical and psychological health management, mm. as do ours. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, that that is that is interesting. I was I, I did a, sh- a short episode recently about um, you know, about uh, I, I did a bit of training recently and just asked some people what you know what causes accidents and incidents and and there was things that came up like pressure and complacency and lack of training and all these sort of things. And, and I just challenge, you know, well, how often, how often do you see those as on the hazard side of the risk assessment form? You know, the thing, you know, you always see, you know, working at heart, falling at high, and you see isolation and, you know, or guarding issues and all that. It's very, very rare that you see the, 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 the softer side of, uh, of health and safety actually lifted down. And I just think, you know, having a process for, for, for engaging with, with people around these issues is just really important. You, you, how do you, I mean, you know, what if you find that the, the reason a person's gone off maybe isn't work-related, but there's because there's a lot of influences that come in from outside. Do you, are, you, are you still trying to be as supportive to people that are having, having issues that, that aren't, aren't as, you know, from the workplace? Absolutely. It should be no different. I don't care, really, whether somebody's gone off absent as a result of work or non-work-related issues. Yeah. Reality is, if somebody's off work, how can we support them so that they return to work um, as quickly as possible, as work is the best place to be for a lot of people. Um, and are reasonable adjustments that we need to make um, to ensure they're able to thrive in work. Mm. And that, that's some of the things that I believe Thames does better than any organization that I've worked in. Um, uh, and and it, it is refreshing when I see managers really taking steps to make reasonable adjustments from a leadership perspective we just empower them to take the right steps so they're confident and comfortable doing it Um, and then i watch managers every day making the right adjustments to the workplace to the equipment to the uh the culture making sure that the individuals working in their team are able to thrive in work Um, and a lot of it comes from preventative learning and listening from uh, employees who are struggling, but you've got to create that culture of safe environment so that people can speak up with what's going well. That's the start of it. Um, but in particular, when people go off work, you know, you really are making adjustments so they can come back as soon as they can. Um, and, you know, a lot of what we face in life's, in life's ups and downs are not work-induced illness cases. Mm-hmm. But somebody has a physical 
disability, if somebody has a mental disability, we can take steps in work to enable them to come to work. Very easy. Um, remember, it's, it's not the working environment. Um, no, let me say this in a different way. It's not the disability that prevents a person thriving in work. It is often the working environment itself. Yeah. There are steps we can take that always enable people to come in and undertake their workplace in, in the right way and to have a great fulfilling life at work if you do it correctly. And I certainly believe that. And I certainly watch it happening in Thames water time and time again. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, uh, that's wonderful. You know, and you, there's some things you mentioned there, you know, about, um, you know, about creating this environment for people, you know, so that you can learn. And, uh, you know, the minute, the minute you use blame, you stop learning. You know, and so, you know, so, so, you know, so it's really, really lovely to hear that you, uh, you know, you've got that kind of, uh, that kind of approach. What about, how, it's, how it's not just, it's, sorry, go on. No, go on, no, go on. It's not just, um, what, what I also enjoy, um, every month I meet with um, 20 of our tier one supply chain directors from our tier one organization. These are major companies, directors, operations directors, and meet with me every month and give their time to sit on what's called our health and safety leadership team, where physical and psychological health is discussed along with safety. And it's remarkable uh, the transition over recent years in a place of uh, really openness and transparency. And also then what you get is the supply chain own the what standards, which are contractual obligations across our supply chain, mm-hmm. but they evolved in the creation of the standards and expectations that go out across the whole organization. Mm-hmm. So they work inside me to make sure we are getting the best out of the standards that go across the company. Mm-hmm. There's never a conversation on cost in that room. It's always about learning from what is the best approach we can take, let's get it into our standards, and then let's all aspire and work towards complying with that standard. So we set the expectations and the tone through the standards, and then everybody works towards compliance. And it works really, really well. And we've had a lot of success in terms of enhancing the, uh, the, the workplace culture and standards across the company, which in turn has led to a massive reduction in both injuries and illness across our supply chain working for on our behalf. How do you, you know, you mentioned about the tier one, okay. Um, you know, so what that, that indicates to me that you've got different tiers of the supply chain. How, how, do you, how are you able to, to influence the people that may probably the, the smaller organisations at the very, you know, at the, at the, at the lower ends of the, of the tier? Because you obviously, you can't, you can't go and meet every single, every single business and every single organisation. So how do you do that as a, as a company? No, correct. We've got 4,500 organizations on our supply chain database that we work with. Um, I think you've got to set the right tone. And then I, we work hard with our supply chain tier ones in, in an area of supporting those organizations, tier two and tier three. We also engage with them directly. Don't get me wrong. There's mm-hmm. forums underneath the 20 that meet with me. Yeah. Um, there's there's above ground forum, there's a below ground forum, and then the tier two and tier three organizations at work come along to that and actually engage. So the messages are cascaded directly to them as well. But it's always from a supporting perspective. You know, we're not there to, I mean, to hammer organizations, any, any major client that, I mean, 
we're only as successful as the organizations that work for on our behalf. And if you start with that mantra, certainly from a health and safety perspective, then you won't go far wrong in terms of listening, learning, and adjusting, because it's a two-way streak. Up through the forums that we have, they send the communication upwards in terms of saying, well, we think this is not working. Can you adjust the standard? We listen and have a conversation and then make the adjustments as required. Mm-hmm. Um, so equally, when any amendments are made, cascading of that outwards is really important too. Mm. Well, that, I mean, I'm getting a bit short of time here now, Colin, I'm afraid. Hey, look, um, can I just ask you one more, just one more, one more question then? Um, and it's, it sort of sits outside of your work, the, the men's radio. Can you tell us just do you mind talking a little bit about uh, about the, what you're what you're doing with that and uh, and at the end of this maybe uh, I would mind uh, you know giving you a chance to sort of you know tell people how to get onto it and have a listen. Yeah. Okay. So Men's Radio Station is a relatively new, couple of year old radio station that is all about has been created by a couple of great guys called Russ Kane and Howard Jameson, and it was put together. Uh, to really uh, allow men to talk. And that's what it's about, men yeah. talking and sharing. Um, and we also have women's radio station, uh, the sister station that's on there. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I wanted to do was I spoke to the producers about um, having a show where there was a lot of people phoning in and sharing their personal stories, which is extremely powerful and humbling to listen to. But I wanted to get leaders from uh, major organizations on the show to be able to share what they're doing within their companies to support people in work. Mm -hmm. And I think that sharing, which we've had some great, great senior directors on, Paul Farmer from Mind, uh, Simon Blake from Mental Health First Aid England. And we've got a good lineup of the coming year of real Uh, chief executives, directors within organizations who are able to share what they're doing to be able to support people in work to thrive. And I really enjoy um, talking to them, learning and listening from them, uh, and and others are dialing in and and learning too, hopefully. I know they are. Uh, And how how do people... Yeah, um, find it. You know, is it it, it across the country? Is it a London thing? Yeah, just go into Google. Yeah. Go into Google, type in men's radio station and it'll come up and then you can listen live by pressing one button. And my show, The Business, airs Saturday morning, 9 till 10 on every Saturday. Okay. Hey, look. Carl, I, I really appreciate your time. Thank you, thank you so much for uh, you know for coming out of your busy diary and uh, and and spending a bit of time uh, um, talking to me today. And I think you know the bits that you've spoken about, uh, you know, definitely going to give people uh, something to uh, something to think about, which is which is what we're trying to do with the uh, with the podcast, just in, try and engage and get people to, to to think. So, is there any other ways that people you know can get get hold of you at all if they uh, if they want any more information? Uh, yeah, in terms of me directly, uh, LinkedIn. So yep. if you go into LinkedIn, type in Carl Simons, you can connect. Okay. I generally try to answer everybody. Yep. <laughs> it's yep. quite a lot of them, so it takes a bit of time sometimes. But I think I've generally almost answered everything that's come through. Hey, look, I really appreciate that. And thank you. thanks a lot for your time. And good luck. Good luck with things. All right. All right. Thanks, Colin. Appreciate okay. it. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, that was, uh, that was quite a short episode. Um, but wow, 
was that packed with a punch. Three really important areas that Carl touched on there. The first one is about how important it is to get that open and honest environment to get people to be able to to be comfortable to talk about their place of work and make suggestions. And that only comes by getting the senior management in the business really, really bought in to that, uh, that approach. He then went on to talk about, about how you know you should as a business be be treating time off work through ill health in exactly the same way as you do an accident you know so have that investigation have that have that senior management discussions you know get the people together to to talk about it but then make the workplace right for that person to come back to um, and whether it's totally work related or not it's really important to uh, to support the uh, the the worker support the individual and then he spoke about um about the supply chain and how you know he gives time every single month to actually engage with his supply chain and get them to be to comment and and put forward ideas on how they can change the way that they engage with uh, with Thames Water. I just found it I found it absolutely fascinating. I found it brilliant. Thank you ever so much, Carl, for uh, taking time. You know you're very very busy. There's loads going on at the moment, um, and I really believe that people are going to get something out of this. So the takeaways from this, you know, about getting that engagement at a senior level. The second one is treat health as importantly as safety, especially when somebody has had some time off. And then finally, really engage with the people that are supporting your business, that are coming onto your sites to help you run your business, get their involvement, you know, get give them the opportunity to shape the way that they interact with you. Loved it. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye now. Thanks for listening to the Interest in Health and Safety podcast. You can follow and engage on Facebook and LinkedIn by searching the Interesting Health and Safety Community or go to www.influentialmg.com. And remember, let's make health and safety as important as everything else we do in business.